This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Without Jamal Murray's play, and not even just the points, but his attitude, that swagger, that confidence, that is contagious to all of our other players. So... 42, 8, and 8. Uh, the young man is growing up and turning into a superstar on the biggest stage, and uh, couldn't be more proud of him. Welcome into the NBA Morning Deuce. I'm your host, Joey Levin, joined with by my co-host, Alex Ruain. And Alex, it's a little bit of a somber episode for me. Because I have to start it off right away with an apology. Um, after the last Nuggets game, or the last uh, Jazz Nuggets game, I spent, we spent a good five or six minutes talking about the Jazz, about Donovan Mitchell, about how bad Denver's defense is. And I was ready to just move on. And you jumped in. Rightfully so. I'm glad you did. And you said, we have to mention Jamal Murray getting 50. And I was like, why? Who cares? <laughs> they lost. And you're like, well, I don't want anybody who didn't watch this game to not think we didn't mention him getting 50. And I just brushed it off because he had 36 in game one win, and then he had 14 and 12 in the, in the two following games. And that's sort of my expectation of Jamal Murray just the way he is as a player. Big game, not big game, big game, not big game. I'm sorry, Jamal Murray. I apologize. I apologize. I got some crap from other people too. Not crap. They just commented on, wow, you just really passed over Jamal Murray like that. And yeah, I mean, I I, I admit now, I, I see I see the fault in my ways. I really, I'm sorry, Jamal. I really am. And so we'll start there. We'll start with the Jazz and the Nuggets. The Nuggets win game five, 117-107. Now the Jazz lead the series 3-2, a series that looked absolutely out of reach for the Nuggets. And still maybe. It's tough to come back from 3-1. But uh, Jamal Murray finishes with 42. Coming off of a 50-point game, he finishes with 42. 33 points in the second half. First ever player in NBA playoff history with consecutive games of 40 points, no turnovers. In the last two games, he has 92 points, 19 rebounds, 15 assists, and zero turnovers. He's averaging 30 a game now in the series. Um, You heard Mike Malone. He said it at the top of the show. He's becoming a superstar on the biggest stage. And I can't doubt him anymore after these last two games, especially if they come back and even just tie up the series, not win, just tie it up. Because, again, 
their other game that they won in this series was the game that Donovan Mitchell had 57, but Jamal Murray had 36, and the Nuggets won that game. So, I just... He's got a fan in me now. I'll tell you that. That was big. That was a, a very big apology from a big man. Um, Thank you. He did it on 26 shots, and the no turnovers thing is unbelievable. Um, you just played that soundbite. I actually hadn't heard it until just now, and the superstar word caught my ear a little bit. Um, I mean, he's not a, a strong su- word, he's but not... he's playing like yeah, one. Exactly. He's playing like one. Sure, he's not um, a superstar, but yes. And like, is it's just so bizarre? Like the twelve was it twelve points and fourteen in uh, games two and three? Like it was one or the other, but yeah, they, tw- I don't know what the order was, but it was twelve and fourteen. They, they need him to be this good. It looks like. I mean, well, I'll, Jokic was I, yeah, fantastic, but he sure. won this game for them. He flat out dominated the second half and won the game. For so them. yeah, absolutely. But there's two things that I w- would point out that I think would obviously would have gone a long way towards them potentially being up 3-2 in this series or, you know, whatever. One is the Nuggets' defense was totally different tonight. Just the intense, just from an intensity standpoint, it was totally different. Or last night, excuse me. Um, but Jeremy Grant, got to give him tons of credit. He was guarding Donovan Mitchell from the beginning, and he was making it tough for him the entire night. He played great defense. Then in the second half, Mike Malone, obviously Jokic is a terrible defender, and we know that. But the way they've been guarding these high pick and rolls the whole series is he just drops back in the paint and lets them come at him and makes the, the person guarding the ball do all the work. They made Jokic play. They made him step up in the pick and rolls, and even though he wasn't good at it, it just changed the way Donovan Mitchell had to play. He wasn't just getting wide open pull-ups and wide open threes at the top of the key or in the elbow or at the free throw line. He was forced to either get to the rim, which he wasn't doing until the fourth quarter, wasn't doing a ton, or kick it out to shooters who they shot the ball really well, but it just wasn't enough. I mean, they only scored 107 points after averaging around 125 through the first four games. Um, and then they started trapping a little bit. They, they just did a really good job of adjusting. Um, and then the other thing I'll say is I understand with the Nuggets that part of their offensive strategy is to save the Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic two-man game till end of games, but they can't do that anymore. Like, that's part of the reason why they're down in these games. Yeah, I like, completely If it's unstoppable and you're down 3-1, just go, just go to it till it doesn't work. And part of, and also you're, you're missing two of your better offensive players in Gary Harris and Will Barton. So normally the way you would be able to use your depth on offense, you don't have that right now because you're playing other guys who just aren't as good off. Monty Morris and Torrey Craig playing major minutes. Michael Porter Jr., as great as he is, going to be playing major minutes in the playoffs. You just don't have that depth. So why not go to that earlier? It just doesn't right. make sense to me. On top of that, it's it's pretty exhausting to guard the pick and roll. It's not like it's – I mean. I know. And and what else would you rather do than have Rudy Gobert thirty feet from the basket as opposed mm-hmm. to at the rim? I mean, and constantly making decisions and wearing them down that way. Like it, it makes sense to me to do it right off the bat. And it's especially not like, if Jamal Murray's going to shoot. Like it's this. not like they're not doing it; they're doing it. But 
in you know, Stan Van Gundy says it every time he's doing the game, and he's right. They 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 go to it almost exclusively at end of games because it's it's hard to stop because right. Jamal Murray's a great scorer and Jokic is just a great offensive player all around. So I would be shocked if we don't see it earlier and more often in the first half in the next couple games because it's all or nothing. I mean, obviously, right, they're down 3-2, so everything is all or nothing. So who, what do you say? like you said, what are you saving it for at this point? Exactly. It's not like they're going to figure it out in the first and second quarter, and it's not going to work in the fourth quarter. Just, just pound it. Yeah. I will say, did you take the Jazz or the Nuggets in this one? Uh, we might have to check the tape. No, no, I took the Jazz. I was we both dead wrong did, right? On this one. Yeah, we both yeah. did. Okay. I took the Jazz, and I was pretty confident about it. But I think with this series and the Houston-Oklahoma City series, I'm just embracing being wrong. It's just such fun basketball. Like, I, sure. I, I love it. I yeah. have no handle on it, and it's really fun to watch. Yeah, there's no way to know. I, I would say I can't imagine Denver's defense keeping this up for two games. So I still think that it's – the Jazz will win this series, but it's it's fun to see them advance because this Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell thing has been super fun. Because I mean, Mitchell still had thirty. It's not like he had a terrible game. He just it was tougher. It's almost like Harden getting thirty against Lou Dort. Like he's still getting thirty, but it's tough, and you could tell it's tougher. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's move on to the Clippers and the Mavs. And and actually, before we talk about this game, I want to play. We mentioned it on the last pod or after their last game, but I want to play what Paul George said after last game that we made fun of a little, or at least I made fun of a little bit. Um, you got to give credit what credit's due. But to be honest, in hindsight, if I shoot the ball better, um, this series would be a lot different. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's not wrong. And as much shit as people have been giving Paul George and – as bad as he's played, he shot the ball better in game five, and they absolutely stomped the Mavericks. Um, I think stomped is a good word. I, I, I was going to say butt smoke. I, I mean, want to say I want to say they scored the most points in NBA playoff history because I'm pretty sure the other day the Raptors 150 was the most in NBA playoffs history, and the Clippers finished with 154. That number is like crazy, won, and you automatically expect to see overtime. They did one one fifty four, one eleven, and Paul George coming into this game was averaging fifteen points a game in the series. Went twelve of eighteen from the field, four of eight from three, seven of seven from the line. Had thirty five points. There was a petition out there to send Paul George overseas to play overseas. Peep fans were so <laughs> mad at him that they started a petition. For him to go overseas, um, crazy to me. I mean, if, <laughs> I get it if you're down three one in the series, but like it's it was two two. Like it's he the been Mavericks bad. are a good team. They were calling him Pandemic P. <laughs> That's pretty good. Which is pretty good. Um, I guess it's just weird for me because I never overreact to anything. You know, I'm just so calm. Yeah, no, me neither. So, I have no. So why no. Is, why send him overseas? Um. I wrote in my post tonight or last night that um, this is the first time this entire series that it looked like it was a two seed versus seven seed. I mean, they just Luca looks like last game took a toll on him, rightfully so. Um, that ankle doesn't look healthy, 
Porzingis didn't play again. Um, they just they looked outmatched. Their energy again, another another team like Doc had those guys. The bench was crazy all game. They were yelling. You could see the energy on the sideline. You could just see the team had more energy. And Paul George, Paul George gets thirty five with this team. You're probably gonna lose. You're probably gonna lose. I mean, that's yeah. just what it is. And that's what I, they lost. Uh, <laughs> they lost by forty three. And I know it's just one game, but that score has to be demoralizing. Like really demoralizing. Uh, I know. Rick, Rick Carlisle got tossed out of this one, so you know he's hot. Um, I don't know if that was kind of like a statement uh, thing. Or there was like a weird cool. situation with a foul call and Tim Hart. The, the, everyone was chippy all game. Luca was chippy. Um, he was trying to get teed up. I don't know if he ever eventually did. I didn't really notice because, it, to be honest, the way this game went, I lost focus in the second half mm-hmm. because it was just such a blowout. Um like to see my boy Steven Silas get some run as a head coach in a, in the playoffs. I like that. I'm okay with that. But yeah. Um yeah, they just it was bound it seems like it was bound to happen based on the fact that nope, I mean again, Porzingis is banged up, not playing. Luka's banged up and they're shorthanded as it is and they're just not I mean they're young and they're a 7 seed and the Clippers are supposed to be a championship level team. Uh I think Chuck Chuck Charles Barkley was the one who brought it up on the halftime show who said he brought up the idea that the Clippers saw what the Lakers did last game and wanted to come out and make a statement. I buy that hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I mean, one fifty four. I mean, they did not let up. They scored 43 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, it's possible. I also think that they absolutely have seen just everybody's just, crushing them and not just that like even us on here we're talking about how Luka Doncic is a top five player in the NBA after one after you know he's having can't take anything away from it it's having an absurd series and one of the best probably playoff performances we've ever seen last game um but I'm sure like even Paul George even less than people hating on Paul George they probably look at him they're like he's like Luka this guy's not better than me even though he probably is but I'm sure him and Kawhi take that to heart, and their they team, and their team too. Because like, if you're the Clippers and you're supposed to be, there was some analysts who touted them as the best defensive team ever before the season, and now this kid is becoming a legend on you. I'm sure it was a combination. I'm, I mean, I, I, the Laker thing probably was a. I'm sure they saw the Lakers score, but I, I bet it's more that they were about to get embarrassed if they lost this game. And like and we were having the conversation, how where would this rank in the all-time disappointments if they were to blow this series? I think all of it got to – they just said, all right, enough is enough. And that's what championship mm-hmm. teams do. Yeah. This is kind of out of left field, but you know every single one of these guys watched that Jordan documentary, um, and they got to have their legacy on their mind, you know? Like Kawhi Leonard <laughs> does not want Luka Doncic to stain his record right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, looked, I mean, I don't know about, I don't know if the Jordan Doc, like, <laughs> that is pretty out of left field. But I'm not sure that I would say like w- they lost Game Four and they were thinking in their mind like, huh, you know, in the Jordan Doc. <laughs> That's not what I mean. <laughs> I just mean like it's on people's minds. Like, like if you want to be an all time great, like there's these little these moments that can. Ruin Kawhi that Leonard sort of was thing. like Luka Doncic. Hit a game winner, and I took that personally. 
That was what. Yeah, because he, yeah, he saw Jordan. To, yeah, yeah, come on, just give me this. Throw me a bone. <laughs> um, yeah, I think definitely like the legacy thing and the implicate like what what it would have meant to lose this series and um just with the hype and they couldn't lose they just couldn't it couldn't happen i mean would doc would they consider firing doc if he lost that series no no way right i don't think so it'd be a huge disappointment and i think lawrence frank is their gm so when you have a, a former coach up there, you never know. I don't yeah, think it would happen. I think, right. And this series definitely is not over, over. I mean, I definitely feel comfortable with the Clippers winning, but if Luca can um, kind of shake this ankle thing that may or may not be nagging him and Porzingis comes back, I mean, it's still a series. It's still, President like, of it's basketball still operations. A... Sorry. Lawrence Frank, president of basketball operations. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I didn't think it would be 2-2. Right. So it's hard for as much as like watching this game, you're like, all right, it's done. Clippers are going to roll them next game. It's hard to just say, it's hard to just say that because of the way Luca's played. And if Porzingis comes back, maybe they can push it to seven. I'm not counting on it at this point. No, I wouldn't bet on it. I'm definitely. But Paul George has to keep doing what he's doing. He can't just go back to what he was doing the first four games because. We saw what that leads to, and they still don't have Patrick Beverly. So uh, that series looks pretty much wrapped up, but we'll see. We will see. Um, Clippers covered, so we both had that. So now we're both. Or I'm 17 and eight. You're 11 and 14. Man, it's weird only having two games. It's so weird. I know um, we've been grinding the past couple of days. But, it's, uh, it's weird not having games at 1:30. Also, yeah, like, I missed it. I yeah, missed it. I did. I missed it a little bit too. I didn't totally miss it. It was cool to not have to focus until like 6.30. But, um, yeah, it was weird. So, all right, let's look at tomorrow or tonight's games. Um, Magic Bucks. Bucks are up 3-1. The line is 14. The Bucks have covered the last three. And I said on here multiple times, I'm not going to – I'm not taking the Magic the rest of the way. So, I got to – I gotta take the Bucks to cover and close out this series. Okay, I think I'm gonna take the Magic with the 14. Um, no real, I, I just feel like it, that's right where it should be. The line at 14. Vegas knows what they're doing. I feel like it's a coin flip, um, and maybe the Magic have some pride in them. Well, we know they have some pride in them just in the way they came out in Game One. Coach Cliff is an excellent coach, as you mentioned. So I'll take I'll take the Magic to cover. Definitely not win. Fair enough. Um, we got to mention because we're talking Bucks. Uh, Giannis was named Defensive Player of the Year yesterday, so he has now, in consecutive years, won Most Improved Player, MVP, and now Defensive Player of the Year. And he's only the fifth player ever to win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in his career. That's insane. There was a lot of heat on Twitter. A lot of people thinking Anthony Davis should have gotten it. Or at least gotten more votes because it was pretty much a landslide. But I will say this. Giannis has the best defensive rating for a, a player, for an individual player in the NBA. Other than like there was like some guy on the Spurs who barely who's played like who played in like twelve games. Um and the Bucks had the best defensive rating in the NBA. And when Giannis was on the floor, 
their defensive rating is better than that defensive rating. Anthony Davis, while average more blocks and more steals, great. A lot of times those can be inflated numbers. The Lakers had a great defense too. But when Anthony Davis was on the floor, their defensive rating was what it was for the season. So like their defensive rating was 106. Anthony Davis's individual defensive rating was 106. The Bucks' defensive rating was like 101, best in the league, somewhere around there. Giannis's is like 99 or something absurd. Wow. You know what I mean? Like so, he was also second in the league in defensive rebound percentage, which is a you know when you dive into like the advanced analytics, I think it makes sense that he got it. He had a great year defensively. He might get MVP too. Um, but I think it was it was becoming a little overblown for people on Twitter saying that it should have been AD. I think just a yeah, lot, of, a lot of Laker love. In, in fact, in fact, when I was looking at it, LeBron's defensive rating was better than the Lakers' defensive rating. So I don't know what that means. That doesn't right, necessarily always mean any. Doesn't that doesn't necessarily always mean what it looks like? But you know, there's no there's no question about what Giannis did for that team. What, exactly. he, what he does for that team. I think that's more a product of Lakers fans are loud on Twitter. That's <laughs> probably know, true. That's totally yeah. true. Yeah. Um, and not taking anything away from Anthony Davis, but yeah. Giannis was just unbelievable this year. Yeah. No question. Um, all right. Thunder Rockets. The series is now tied up. The Rockets are still a favorite, minus three and a half. Thunder obviously have won the last two games. When Lou Dort is guarding James Harden in this series, 23.5% from the field, 24% from three, 22.2% from two points from on two point shots inside the three, basically. Um, He's shooting dorts. Is that, that's a stretch, I think, right? <laughs> I need to get like a rim shot uh, audio drop there. Um, that's, that's one of the worst ones in the pod. Okay. I like ahead. it. No, I, I, I need more of that. Okay. Um, but. Yeah, no, shooting dorts is going to be a regular thing now. <laughs> um, dorts. Um, but you had to say it like that. Shooting dorts. Dorts, yeah. Shooting sure. dorts. Um, <sighs> totally threw you off there, didn't no, I? No, th- I'm just thinking Rockets won at home, then the Thunder won at home. My buddy's son, his name's Max. He listens to this. He's 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 young. He's a young guy. What's up, Max? But he's he's in. The, he loves it. He loves the NBA. He said he predicted exactly how this series is going. He said the Rockets would win too, the Thunder would win too, and then he says the Rockets are going to win too. They said they're going to close it out. Interesting. Are you, are um, you banking on Max? Uh, I don't know about two in a row, but I mean, again, these numbers like minus three and a half, you're essentially, unless you're willing to say like the Thunder are going to lose by three which is a bold thing to say, you're basically picking the winner here. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe not. It's playoffs, but I'll, I'll go Rockets. It's been tough for them, but I, we still don't know what's up with Russ. I don't think he's playing. I don't know if he's back, but maybe Russ comes back. That would be great for them, but I'm just going to go Rockets. I still think, I think they'll try to come out and make a statement, too, that they're better. Um, I think Harden is going to, Harden's probably, just like Paul George, Harden's hearing the the Dort uh, Harden stopper stuff, and he's going to come out and at least try to have a monster game. So I'll take them minus three and a half. 
Uh, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm kind of pissed. I thought I thought you were uh, winding up for a Thunder plus three there, and I was going to make up a game on you. Uh, I think the Rockets, um, I just still, I know the three-point thing, they're obsessed with it. I just think they got a little too complacent and did not get to the rim whatsoever. I think they make that adjustment, and James Harden gets to the foul line at least 12, 13 times. And uh, I think they might win this game easy. That's what I say. All right. Uh, and last game tonight, Blazers, Lakers. Lakers are going to close it out. Dame, Dame's out. He sprained his knee. He's out for game five. Minus 13 and a half. You know, it's it's interesting. It's just like when James Herbert was on the show yesterday, talked about how this is just such an unfortunate way for them to lose after what he did in the seeding games. It does suck that he's hurt. He got hurt twice, um, and he's out for this one. Yeah, I'll take Lakers minus 13 and a half. It's, a, it's another huge number, but I just don't see the Blazers without Dame being able to do anything. The only the only thing that the only reason that I hesitate with that is because I think by the fourth quarter none of the starters are going to be in and maybe the Blazers bench can is going to make like a little run so maybe it's like a 25 point game and they end up losing by 12 because the bench makes a run but I'm not going to bank on that. So you're going I'm going Lakers, Lakers 13. Cover. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm going to take the points. I think 13 and a half is just too many. I know Dame's not playing, but we talked about how great of a coach Terry Stotts is. You know they're going to play with pride tomorrow. Um McCollum's got a lot to show. Um So yeah, I'm going to take the 13 and a half there. It's too big. All right. Uh you got a couple props, right? You have yeah, you, want, you have some props these. you want to throw out there? Yep, I got one for each game. Okay. I feel like that was pretty good. Uh, so we've been talking a ton about Chris Middleton, and he turned the corner a little bit last game, but we all know he's going to have to bring a lot more for the Bucks to win the East. Um, his over-under tomorrow is 19.5 points. How do you feel about that? Over. I think I've so been too. thinking about it. Like I think he's going to have 25 or something. doesn't seem tomorrow. low. It just seems low to me. No, I, I think I it's think... just the way he's been playing the series. Um, he only had 24 last game like it wasn't like he went he had 18 in the fourth quarter that's why it seems but he's been bad other than the fourth quarter so he's mm-hmm. gonna keep going but I just think I think if I was Mike Budenholzer I would in in a game five in a closeout game five when you're up 3-1 I would be feeding 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 Chris Middleton and let him get going heading into the next series yeah. and I can see him taking a lot of getting a lot of opportunities in this game so I'll go over Gotcha. All right. Our next guy we've talked a, a little bit about, and I don't, is it Shay or Shy? Shay. 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 Okay. I'm going to lock that one in. This is an interesting one. It's over under 32 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. So total. That's you such add up a his hard, points, rebounds, and assists. One. I don't, do you have half. his averages on rebounds and assists in the series? In the um, series? No. Um, 32. Hmm. That's a tough one. They've they've gone back to back games where those three guards have gotten seventy points or more. So, I mean, to really to win, that's what they need. They need those guys all to go off, right? So, and Shea's been the best. I mean, Schroeder's been scoring a lot too, but Shea's really been their best scoring guard. Think about it like this: if he gets twenty six and six, he's right there. He's knocking on the door. He's at thirty two. Yeah, but I don't think he's been getting a ton of assists because he's Chris Paul. Because yeah. of Chris Paul, well, he's just yeah, he's like off the ball a lot. 
Mm-hmm. And even when, like, he's been primarily, he's become a two for them, even though he's a point guard. Because even when Paul's out, Schroeder kind of runs the point. I'm going to go under. Under 32 and a half. Okay, I was going to take the over on that. Uh, and our last one here is CJ McCollum, who I just mentioned, over under 25 and a half. And obviously this one's a lot more interesting with Dame out. He's going to have to shoulder the load. I'll go first here. I think 25 and a half is a really good bet for the over. I'm going to go opposite. Really? Yeah, I think they're going to get absolutely smoked, and he may not even play in the second half. That's a good point. He's got that lingering back thing. I think he's just looked. I just I don't know. It just I just have an instinct. Yeah, no, he looks fine. It just seems like I feel like they're going to get blown out so badly. Like maybe he'll get 25, but I don't see mm-hmm. him. I think the the he's like, not going to get that half point at the end of the game. No, I don't think he's going to get that, that, half point. that, <laughs> that rare shoot, half point. That, that rare half pointer. I just think like I think the instinct would be. Dame's out, so he's going to have to go for 40 to have a chance, but they don't have a chance. So I just think they're going to get stomped so badly that he's not going to play a ton of minutes. I don't know that he'll get enough minutes to have like a 30-point game when the, when it's all said and done. I agree. Um, so I'll take the under. Okay. I'm going to bet all three of these that I just mentioned, and I will follow up tomorrow. All right. Sounds good. Um, all right. Before we wrap up, we don't always do headlines, but we have some time, so let's talk. There's a couple things that I just want to react to real quick um elton brand says he will not look to trade ben simmons or joel Embiid, but build better around them which i had a sort of an instinct that they would whoever the next coach is they give him at least a year to try to make it work but there's not a lot uh, that means that he's going to be really trying to trade al and potentially tobias i just don't know how it happens I mean, you know where I think that Al contract is untradeable. Like, I, I don't know. I think it's less. I think it's. I think it's out. more tradable than Tobias. But I also think, I mean, even with what he said, he has to say that, right? He, he can't say, eh, you know, maybe I'll trade one. Like, if the Warriors come knocking with that number two pick and maybe another future first, he's going to think about it. I don't know if he's going to do it. Yeah, but... no one's untradeable. That I've always yeah, said. Exactly. I always feel like you go. There's like the hierarchy and like whoever you think is the best player in the NBA. So if you think LeBron's the best player in the NBA, he's the only untradeable player in the NBA. And then it goes down the list. Right. That right? makes sense logically. But like, yeah, what, what's Elton Brand? Elton Brand's not going to say, you know, I could trade one of these guys. He's just not going to. But I believe that he doesn't want to trade one. I believe that they, that he has two guys that are looked at as top 20 players in the NBA by some, by a lot of people, top 25, whatever. Um, at least from a talent perspective. And he wants to give another coach a chance. So it's not surprising to me. I think Al Horford's deal, because it's only three years and it's about $7 million less a year, um, is more movable. Because you have to take into account, with all these deals, if Horford only has three years left, he really only has two years left. Because it becomes movable for the next team in that last year. It's a $28 million or whatever, $30 million expiring deal. So I think you can, can, if you can attach even a decent first round pick to Al Horford and convince a team like you only really have to pay him for two years and then you'll be able to re flip him, I think he's movable. Um, I'll say this if he, if Elton Brand is able to unload the Horford contract, it becomes a successful offseason for that team. Sure. Either one of them. Yeah. Him or Tobias. Um, 
And then this is also the Sixers are involved in this news, but this is no surprise. Three teams are reportedly interested in hiring Ty Lue, and I'm sure if any other coaches get fired, they'll be interested also. But right now it's the Sixers, the Nets, and the Pelicans. And reportedly, this was weird about this to me, was that Dave, that uh, Ty Lue met with David Griffin in the bubble, which on first, like when I first saw it, that's why David Griffin would only have been in the bubble when the Pelicans were playing. At least that would, that's what it would seem to me which would mean that he met with Ty Lue before he fired Alvin Gentry? Because why, when else would... Unless Griff stayed behind and he was like... did Griff, Gentry got fired the next day, right? Like, he got fired pretty quick. I think quick. it was the, the very next day, yeah. So it's I guess maybe Griff knew he was going to fire him and stayed to talk to Ty Lue. But it's just such a weird report. Like, they met in the bubble. I know. Um, maybe they were just, you know, eating at the cafeteria together. <laughs> Still, it's like, yeah, I'll run with this, you know. Um, like, what? that's true, but that would be the most that one made the most sense to me. I mean, I actually think Ty Lue would be would be a pretty good coach for the Sixers or the Nets. I mean, they both are veteran teams with talented players, and that's what he's coached. But obviously, he won a championship with Griff, so the Pelicans seem like the like the logical first choice to most people because they'll go work for David Griffin again. But I think he makes more sense in the other two places. Right. I think of those three, I'm sorry, you said it's the the um, the Sixers, the Pelicans, and who's the third team? The Nets. The Nets, okay. I was going to say the Pelicans have the ideal lineup just because it's young, but Nets is pretty appealing too. Yeah, Nets is sure. super appealing. Of a it's job. appealing to anybody. The Sixers yeah. are third on that list. Yeah. I mean, you're going to the Nets, you're walking into a championship roster. If KD's healthy. If he's right. It's actually an interesting question. If you're an NBA coach right now, which of those three jobs Nets. are you taking? Nets. If Katie is, if I'm convinced that Katie is healthy and he is what he could be, Nets. Because that's a team that can win the East next year. I'm just thinking in terms of like the leash, like the expectations are high, so high right off the bat for the Nets. And, you know, so, I mean, NBA coaches thrive off that. They, they like high stakes, but... That Pelicans job looks like it could be gold for five, six years. Maybe, no, but there's because a the Nets. No, that window's wide open, but it's closing. I disagree. I think there's just as much, if not more, pressure to succeed in New Orleans because they have Zion, and Zion's supposed to in be that, in that first year. Though it doesn't that's, matter. That's kind of what I'm saying. In that first year, I think the pressure's through the roof. Yeah, but is the goal to win or is the goal to keep the job for a long time? I mean, I know it's both, but like... <laughs> Depends who you are. Right. I know it's both. Depends who you are. Yeah. I know it's both, but you can walk in. You know what you're getting if you go to to the Nets. You're getting arguably, the if he's healthy, a top three or four player in the NBA. And then you're getting another all-NBA player in Kyrie. And then a roster that looks pretty damn loaded outside of that now that you've seen what they could do in the playoffs. Um, so without I didn't even those think guys. about that. The, the taking a Nets job makes... You have to coach Kyrie, which is a headache. Yeah, but he's not the the main guy. That's when he becomes the headache. Yeah. Um, well, we'll see. Uh, that would only be if the Nets aren't able to pull off Greg Popovich. So we'll see. Um, all right, that's it. We'll uh, see you guys in the morning. Uh, remember, if you haven't subscribed or uh, given us a little rating there, do it. Because we love you guys and we hope you love us. 
Guys, you, you can't see this, but Joey's eyebrow, his one eyebrow is going up and down. He loves telling you about these uh, subscriptions, yeah, so please do it. Yeah, yeah, we need it. All right, we'll see you in the morning. Later. Later. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, figgins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.